I am thankful for him. As my aunt has already said, there's a lot of people who don't know that this is the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The time that we looked to what Jesus done by coming to the earth, doing the will of God, fulfilling what God has said, because he was born to fulfill prophecy, fulfill what God had given for the world. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, with Jesus, we have everything we need. But without him, we have no hope. We have no hope of tomorrow, no hope of, of getting and receiving things in this life that we truly need. And so we thank God for that. Last week, we started off with a part two, part one, called Position Yourself for God's Outpouring. How many remember the time when you gave your heart to God? How many are saved in the house? I remember when I gave my heart to God, I was a young, young boy. I remember sitting in church and feeling the presence of the Almighty God dealing with my heart. I went to the altar, knelt down. That was my Bethlehem experience. That was my place where I gave my heart to God. How many remembers your Bethlehem experience? When you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. We started off last week going to Luke chapter 2, reading a few verses, talking about that experience of Jesus being born again, born in this world, born that you and I might know to come to the Lord. The place he was born was Bethlehem, called and meaning house of bread. How many knows Jesus said that I am the bread? Far too many times, though, people are looking at the natural and not looking at the spiritual. Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. In other words, Jesus was positioned to do and fulfill the call of God, prophecy. That's what separates us from all religion. All those so-called uh, uh, people trying to get to God. Jesus come because God wants to get to us. He showed himself through his son because Jesus is God in the flesh. And we thank you, Father, that you sent your son, Emmanuel, God with us. Bethlehem became that place of that marking point, that beginning point of our relationship and what God gave to us. It was also called the house of David where the king David was born. How many knows Jesus is not just a babe, but he's a king? Amen. He's the Lord. Revelation depicts him as king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is the fulfiller of that prophecy. He brought us life and brought us into that place. Bread represents uh, the abundance and the rest. See, when you get filled, how many knows that sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm full? I'm overflowing. And all you want to do is rest. How many ever taken a long nap after you eat? You eat so much, you go take a nap. That's rest. But you can rest in the Lord after you partake of what God has given you. That's where we have what we call the breaking of bread. Jesus came to give his body that we can have that. He says, my body I give that you can have fellowship with the Father. That you can have what you need in this life and the life to come. In other words, we need fellowship with the Father. Communion. And later on today, before we leave here, we're going to do and have communion. 
we're going to have that as a representation of what Jesus done for us. I don't know if you've had this new birth. I don't know if you had this experience or not. But today is a representation because we celebrate the birth of Christ at Bethlehem. But you can have your Bethlehem experience today. No matter where you're at, you can ask God to come in your life. You can have a new birth. It's not a natural birth, but it's a spiritual birth. Something happens deep inside and you can have that. In other words, you can position yourself because Jesus had to be in position to receive and to fulfill what God had said. In other words, reason why you have a new birth, you need access to the Father. Reason why you need Christ to come in your life, that you can come into the kingdom of God, into the place where God's at. And that's what God really desires. That's what he wants with you is to have fellowship with you. Thank God. Another thing we notice by that, how remember the place where you were born? I don't get no takers. How many remember someone telling you where you were born? I was born here at this place at this time. You have a birth certificate that gives you a place and time you were born, but it also gives you identity with your family. With Jesus, he had identity with the earthly family, but also with the heavenly family, with God himself, because God the Father was his father. Because Mary was a virgin. She didn't know a man. She didn't understand what that was going to happen, but she said, so be it unto me. That brought identity. Thank God for the identity of Jesus. Thank God for the identity that he gave, gives us because now we are part of the family of God. It put Jesus in position to do and fulfill what God had wanted. When you become new creatures in Christ, when you become born again, when you have this new birth, it gives you access. It puts you in position to receive what God has. How many knows God wants to give you an overflow? And the overflow, outpouring of God's blessings and love, God wants to give to every single one. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Stand for reading of two verses, but we're going to keep this chapter open for a little bit to bring some things out as we look in this time and season of the birth of Christ and thank God for the birth of Christ but I thank God that he fulfilled what God wanted because he was the fulfiller. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I come to fulfill it. And by his sacrifice and by him dying on the cross, what happened? We see the in, even in the stable, when he entered into the place and because the stable at that time was a cave where they entered in. You know, Jesus was buried in a cave, in a place hewed out, a tomb as we call it, and he was laid in that tomb. Jesus was laid upon the stable, and when he was in that stable, he was laid in a manger. That manger was nothing but a rock and hewed out so they could feed the animals. But where else would you have the sheep being born? It's in the stable. It's in a place. And Jesus was the Lamb of God. He was born that we could eat. He was in a position that we could have life, that we could have it more abundantly. See, 
He was already being fulfilled in saying, I'm in a manger. I'm in a tomb. I'm in a place. But how many knows he came out of the tomb? He came out of the stable. He came out to bring us some things we need in this life. Verses 1 and 2. I said for us to read. I'm getting off the tangent here. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. You may be seated. Let me just open here just for a minute. Many of us have heard the story. We've heard and seen on TV the the depictions of the birth of Christ, how that Mary and Joseph and was on a donkey, uh, Mary was, and, and they went into Bethlehem, and, and we know what the innkeeper says, no room. And just like a lot of people, I have no room for you, Jesus. I don't want no room for you, Jesus. I don't want you in my house. I don't want you in my life. They reject him, and that's okay. That's up to you. And it just depicts of what is happening in the world. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want Jesus. But we as the church have found the life that we truly need. And that's through Jesus. But Jesus being born and being positioned that he could be the Lamb of God, that he could depict who he truly was and the fulfillment of prophecy. Because John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, The angel said, Behold, let it be joy to the world. Let it be joy to mankind because now we can have a Savior, a Deliverer, a one that can get us out of the place of sinful life. Praise God. These magi, They were not Jewish. They were called wise men. In some areas, they were called kings. They were of the hierarchy in their area. These were from Persia, where they believed in some things. But we also notice, if you see what the scripture says, it says that we have seen his star. They were astrologers looking into the stars, gazing into the stars, looking into the heavens. They were wanting to know. And all of a sudden, this bright star appeared. The Bible says we have seen his star. Say his star. star. See, his star brings some things. Jesus is a star. He don't need a star just to be shining. He is the star. He's the bright and morning star. He is the one that brings light in the darkness. He's the one that brings peace. He is the mighty God, the mighty counselor, the one that wants to give us all things that pertains to life. The Magi, uh, they recognized this because they came from the east and they followed the star because they were looking for the king of the Jews. They had been studying and looking at different documents and different things, and they noticed that this star was there. In other words, they were stargazers. We have some people like that today. They look at the stars and think, and that's the way we need to go. They will lead you astray, but the one star will not, and the star will lead you to the heavenly ones. We notice also that at the birth of Jesus, there was something else happened in the heavenlies. What was that? The angel appeared to the shepherds. 
And when the angel appeared to the shepherds, he made the announcement, be not afraid. <laughs> We've got a lot of people operating in fear. They're fearful of what's going to take place in the world, what's going to take place in our country, what's going to take place with my life. Jesus comes to give us peace and says, I will take care of you. I will bring you into the place that you have need of these things. We notice that uh, as we look to the heavenlies, uh, Jesus is not the ordinary babe being born on this earth, just like giving birth to, uh, as we, I have grandchildren that was given birth. I have children that was given birth, but this birth was different. This birth of the Savior was totally different because this was not earthly only. This was heavenly. And all of a sudden, the announcement came through the star, came through the angel, and they made and proclaimed who Jesus is. The shepherds went and worshiped. Now we see that after the birth, this is quite a while after the birth. As you study history, it could be six months, it could be up to two years, the babe now, an older child, wandering around. And now we see the wise men coming to worship. They were seeking him. Oh, if ever a time we need to seek Jesus is today. If ever a time we need to look to the Savior is today. They come to the place and they come to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the capital of the Jews. We see that they go to the capital and they start inquiring about the king of the Jews. We notice that when they did, all of a sudden there was the king that was in place, that was been placed in over Jerusalem and over Israel. In verse 3, it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, why would a king be troubled by one being born, a babe being born. Because Herod was not a Jew. He was an Edomite, a Gentile, placed in over the Jews. But he had enough sense to know this. Herod, he was also called the Herod the Great. He had done some great things for the city, but he was not, he was a jealous man. Insomuch, he was a very cruel king. He killed three of his boys, had them killed. He had his one wife that he had killed also. So you talk about a leader that wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. He was jealous of his position and what is, and he'd been a king for 35 years up to this point. He would not want anybody to take over. Then all of a sudden, three wise kings, wise men, all of a sudden arrived upon the scene, and they were magi looking for the king of the Jews, born the king of the Jews, one that is not placed in, but is born into position. And all of a sudden, it troubled even Jerusalem. Wait a minute, we have a king. We don't need another king. We have this one that's been helping us deliver and do things in our community. And now we don't need another king. It troubled them. They were in very much trouble. How many knows we're living in troubled times? As a matter of fact, uh, we have in Congress and, and the Senate and in the presidency, they are at odds all the time. I don't care who's been in, Democrat or Republican. Republican. 
Uh, you can look at it. They have troubles with each other. They get jealous. I want to be in power. This is like Herod. I'm going to stay in power. So he called together some of those chief priests and scribes. And he says, where should the king of the Jews be born? The Bible says that as they went and looked, they come back and they said, in Bethlehem, the place of the house of bread. But it is a small group. It is a small village, a small area. And out of that, we know that things would come forth out of this place. It says that where the Christ was to be born. In verse 5, so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who, shall, who will shepherd my people Israel. Notice what the chief priest said. And something I notice here. Why didn't God come to the religious folks? God went to the unreligious, those that were outside of the realm and spoke to Gentiles. Because a lot of people says, if it ain't happened with my group, it ain't going to happen. If it ain't happened in my church, it ain't going to happen. I don't want no part of it. That's the reason why sometimes it's hard to have a revival. It's hard to have a move of God because other churches, other leaders get jealous of it. But I'm going to here to tell you right now, if God starts moving down the road, where am I going to be? I'm going to be where God's at. <laughs> and I'm going to say, let's go and let's support what God's doing. See, it's not about us. It's about what God wants. See, he sent his son, and all of a sudden, now he delivers a message to those that were not religious, to those that not were part, part of what they thought in tune with God. See, thank God that Jesus knows how to talk to those that can be even outside the realm of those I'm in and no one else is. In other words, it's not just about your four and no more. God wants to deliver the message to anyone. Say, I am born. I have come that you can have life and I want to deliver it to you. I want to give it to you. See, it's not just about this church. It's about God's church. There's a lot of churches around, a lot of gatherings around, a lot of flavor of church. But I'm here to tell you, there is some truth inside those areas of those ones that really seek the Lord. Notice those were looking and gazing into the stars. Those that were out taking care of the sheep. See, those sheep were the ones that were going to be sacrificed for those of the house of Israel. Then all of a sudden they were showed, said the shepherd has come. The king has come. Notice what the king said though. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Deception. 
deceiving. King Herod sought to get to the child, get to Jesus, but he had different reasoning. I don't want to worship him. I want to get rid of him. I want to keep my areas. If he'll get rid of his own kids, what do you think he'll do with somebody else's kids? See, that's what type of world we're living in. It's me and my, that's what I want. I don't want anything else to do with what religion that you talk about. But I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. Jesus came to show what the Father is about. He came as a babe born in a manger, but he's not going to stay a babe. He walked this earth, showed who God was, but he went to the cross. He died and he rose again from the tomb, from the place that they had laid him. And when he rose up, he says, now I brought hope to this world. That's the reason why I was born in this world, that I could die, but I could raise again to raise up this world, to raise up the ones that are with without hope. Thank God. But see, we see Satan coming in, trying to use rulership, trying to take him out, even from the beginning. Some of you have been facing battles and areas in your life. I'm here to tell you, the enemy doesn't love you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take out the child of God. He wants to take you out. But I cannot tell you this because Jesus lives. I'm all right. Because he sits on the throne right next to the Father. He's making intercession. He's battling for you and I. Glory to God. He said, now go and you worship, but send me word. Notice what happened. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Say his star. His star. So this star had announced Jesus to these men had announced the Son of God. They didn't know what his name was. They just knew he was the king of the Jews. They didn't understand that. We see that his star brought some great things uh, because he was born outside of the realm of the, the areas of what you would normally think. Most religious think, and most people think, okay, a king is going to be born, and when he's born, he's going to be born in a palace. But Jesus didn't come to be born in a palace. He came as a human. He came as humanity. He says, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. And I am born because of you and what you need. The Bible says when they seen the star in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Aren't you glad that Jesus came? We as the followers, we follow the star. We follow the name Jesus. We follow and we follow who he is for he is the star. He is the one. We've been in position. We've received what God has of new birth. But God has more things he wants to give. Jesus was born as a babe, but he had a journey he had to go through. The Bible says the wise men rejoiced. They saw a star. The star led them to Jesus. If you really want to know what Jesus is about, then you need to follow what God has put in prescribed. His word is that. The Bible says they found Jesus. 
Everything I've said is kind of laying the groundwork. But notice what happened the kings did, the wise men did, those astrologers when they found Jesus. I like what the scripture gives us. And the Bible says, it says, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Notice what they did automatically. They fell down on their faces and worshiped. If ever a time we need to worship, it's today. If ever a time we need to worship the Savior, it's today. If ever a time we need to proclaim who he is, it's today. Notice what these three men did when they found who Jesus, where Jesus was. They come in and they bowed down to worship. Why is it so important to worship? Why is it so important to bring Adelaide's and, and glorify his name. Because when you glorify him, when you lift him up, all of a sudden the things that's been around you kind of take a back seat. When you speak the name of Jesus, uh, even the demons have to take notice. Even sickness has to know that life has been given because Jesus came to give us life. He took the stripes on his back that we could be healed. Jesus was in position so that we could be free. They came to worship those who find Jesus worship him. Aren't you glad you found him? Amen. Bible also says this, that they presented something. The Bible says that they opened up their treasures. What they had, they brought. They opened up their treasures and gave Jesus the treasures. They freely gave of what they had. How many people today hold on to what they think is belongs to them. You don't have anything without Jesus. You don't have anything without God. You don't have the oxygen you have that you're breathing right now without God. Thank God. And what did these three men do? They were kings. They gave gifts. Given for Jesus's journey. How many knows Jesus was poor, but yet he became rich? And all of a sudden the kings arrived and they gave the three gifts. That's the reason why we celebrate Christmas and we give gifts. These three men kind of set the tone for that. But the world's kind of captivated on that and they captured that and it says, we can make some money off of this. Sometimes we try to figure out what's the best gift we can give to each other. If we can give them Jesus, that's the best gift you can have. Because Jesus was born as a babe and he was given as a gift for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him as a babe. He gave him as a man. And he gave him as the Lord that we can overcome in this life. See, he's not just a babe laying. And Jesus was in position to receive what the father wanted for the world. He was going to receive the outpouring of what God wanted for the world. God loved the world. That outpouring of love was shown through that. The gifts were given. They offered with free, freely the treasures. One, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These three have some specific reasoning and some specific areas that we need to look at. First, gold was a tribute to a king. We give you gold. Gold has value. And I'm sure with the journey that Jesus is going to be on, he needed some sustenance. See, when you start up with God, you're thinking, how am I going to make it? How many knows that God has and he owns everything? 
We notice that out of the monetary from these kings, out of the Gentile region, we see that the kings gave for the call of God. You wonder how God's going to supply the need. But can I tell you, God can move upon those that you least expect it. Time and time again, I've heard God use uh, many people outside the church realm to bless churches or to bless ministries so that they can carry on. A gentleman, a friend of mine, a pastor that had pastored down in Georgia, uh, was building a, a facility because they was outgrowing everything he was having, but they didn't have a lot of money. They was in a poor section of Atlanta, and they said they didn't have a lot of money, and all of a sudden, they had been seeking the Lord, wanting the Lord, and said, all of a sudden, this guy comes in. He was a businessman, walked into the office, and walked into where the pastor was. He goes, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I can't get beyond it here. He threw out an envelope. The pastor's going, wow, what a way to introduction. Wow, what's going on here? And he says, well, I don't know what it is. So he just kind of set it off to the side. Pastor's a little bit discouraged. God, you called me here. God, you, you've called us here. And we, we're growing by leaps and bounds. We don't have no sustenance. I don't have enough money to build another part of the building. And all of a sudden, he just took the envelope to his secretary. He says, look at it and see what you think. He says, tell me later. And she opened it, and all of a sudden, the pastor's heading out the door. She goes, I think you want to look at this. He stepped back. He goes, what are you talking about? He says, you need to look what's in the envelope. She handed the envelope back to him. Opened it up. I think he almost fainted. <laughs> he looked at it. He goes, read it to me. $250,000 was given to the ministry to build, and that's what they needed to finish building what they were started. How many knows God can give you for your journey the things that you need in your journey? Jesus was born, and, but he was born in position of prophecy, what God had given, because he was fulfilling what God had said. Sometimes you think, because I'm called, I'm doing this, I'm in an obscure place, that God doesn't hear me. God doesn't know, but I'm here to tell you, God will move upon the least expected that you don't even think hears and knows and what God wants to do. Set that king and give them enough money that because they was getting ready for a journey. Uh, you and I are on a journey, and it's called life, but we're on this life as Christians, and God will take care of his own. Amen. Let me say it again. God knows how to give gifts. <laughs> Praise God. And he'll use those you least expect to give you something, to give you what you need in this life. Thank God for that. We noticed that the second gift that was given, frankincense. This frankincense is inc it's incense. That sometimes when you light the incense, it brings an aroma. But if you really study it out, it's used for worship. It's used for times of worship. Now, it is a very expensive fragrance if you look at it. I'm sure they could have sold some. But notice how the, the king gave something for worship because they came to worship, but we're going to give worship. Something that costs us sometimes, we're going to give of that worship. And all of a sudden the aroma comes before God. Remember when Paul and Silas was in jail? 
Not by their own reasoning. They was doing what God had called them. And sometimes when you're on your journey, you're thinking, what is going on? I've been placed in an area. It seems like I can't even see the light of day. But you start worshiping God, you start praising God, and all of a sudden, God smells the praise and worship. That's the reason why sometimes when we're in services, and all of a sudden, God comes down on the scene because he hears his kids worshiping him. He hears the praises of those that are serving him. And all of a sudden, he comes down on the scene, and notice what happened with Paul and Silas. They had jailhouse rock. (laughs) because the Bible says even the very foundation of that jail was rocked to the point that the doors were open. The chains were coming off. If you feel like you're in bondage, get ready. God's going to set you free. The second uh, part of that was that they worshiped and they worshiped him, but they gave worship and God was going to use that for their journey. Third area we see, myrrh. This is very important because myrrh talks about destiny. It's a fragrance that's given to those that die. They put it on their bodies, part of the embalming process. They were speaking about Jesus' destiny. They were looking at Jesus, this is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen in that regard. You're going to give your life. But there's going to come a fragrance that's going to touch others that when they smell what has happened, they will rise up and bless the Lord. We see that uh, these gifts were giving to Jesus. But can I tell you that the three, why did God use three? Can I tell you that we have the Trinity? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If you look in scripture, the church has been given about 19 or 20 different gifts. Some from the Father, some from Jesus, some from the Spirit of God. And with that, God gives those things for our journey called a life in this, what we have, this life here. A Christian life, a believing life. But you've got to get in position. First of all, you must be born again. First of all, you must receive what Christ has given. Some of you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. You're walking around this life with nothing that can help you. These three kings came to give gifts. We give gifts at this time because of what they've done. We want to bless our loved ones, bless our friends, and we give that, and we, we are moved by that. And I have no qualms with giving gifts But these three gifts were given with significance. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit wants to give gifts to every believer if you will let him. We're walking in this life, and sometimes we feel we can't even make it. But I'm here to tell you, God knows how to supply the need. God can give you worship, and he can let you know, I've got a destiny for you. Jesus' destiny was not to die, but to raise again. Our destiny is to live forever. Eternal life was given to us. That's where abundant life comes from. This was prophetic. This was something that was taking place upon the life of Jesus at that time. I'm here to tell you, if you'll get yourself in position, God's outpouring will come in your life. 
I really feel God is positioning some of you in places that you says, God, it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. But I'm here to tell you, God is getting ready to open the doors and the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. And God is going to give you some things for your journey and gifts and things that are going to help you to do what you need. Far too many times people are looking, well, I need to be in this and that. You just be in a position where God can bless you. Sometimes it's just like this surrender. God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. You got to position yourself for God's outpouring. But if you don't, you're not going to receive what God has. Ran into a pastor friend of mine. Yesterday, when we was in the store, and we're living in different times than we've ever seen before, but it was already prophesied, already given by the Apostle Paul. We're living in perilous times, church. We could be in a war. You're thinking, wait a minute, I thought we have peace. Uh, peace is just something of a word. That, that is, we could be in war at any moment. And can I tell you, the spirit of Antichrist is going through the land. It's out there. This is perilous times. This is grievous times. Times we look around uh, and we need to say, Father, we need you more now than ever before. But more than that, God wants to give you gifts. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit wants to give us gifts. And those gifts wants to be poured on us and given to us for this life that we can use it to carry on for the next time that God wants to use us. These gifts are given. We have nine spiritual gifts. We have the gifts that's been given to the church, the fivefold ministry. We have other gifts that Romans talks about that God gave to the church. These are gifts that we can use. Every single one of you have been given a gift. Pastor, I don't know what it is. It's something that really drives you, that gives you something that puts you into a mold that you say, I like doing that. That's a gift. I can't get away from it. Maybe it's somebody that has been given a gift to greet. Maybe it's somebody that's been given a gift of hospitality. Maybe it's a gift that you can give money that no one else can give. Maybe it's a gift that something has not only of abilities of governing, but also to come in of administration. Some of you have been given a gift of speaking in a different language. Some of you have been given a gift that God wants to give you and use through you that you can bless others in this life. Those gifts were given by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the church. How many of those were the body of Christ? Touch your neighbor and say, we are the body of Christ. As we see prophecy being fulfilled in the beginning, the son received those gifts. We need to receive those gifts that the father has. And receive them and not abuse them. How many knows that a shepherd, a pastor is a gift? How many times ever somebody's ever talked about their pastor? Talked about somebody. You're abusing that gift. The anointing that God places is a gift that God gives. The musicians we have, aren't we blessed with the musicians we've got? 
Aren't we blessed with the singers we've got? Those are gifts. We, we've been given the gifts that, that we can go out and go into the world and with the internet and, and the Facebook. That's a gift. I don't have that enough knowledge. I got enough knowledge to get be dangerous. <laughs> I don't have that gift, but God has placed the gifts within the church. We need to allow God to use that gift through you, to you, and for others. These gifts are given. Now, when you give out your gift, I hope and pray that you remember the gifts that the three wise men brought. But more than that, the gifts that God brought to this earth. Jesus was a gift given. Because of the love of the Father, he sent his only begotten Son. And he was given. His love was shown. God's love was given. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that it pleased the Father to abuse the Son. I can't think of abusing my children like that. I love my kids. I love my, I don't really call them outlaws, but I call them in-laws. My son-in-law, my daughter-in-law. I love them dearly. I, I would not want to abuse them for anything. But the Bible says the father in his infinite love allowed his only begotten son to come and become a gift for you. He was abused. He was abused, but he rose again that we can come out of our mess and come into the light of the gospel and come into his star and let him lead us and let him guide us. We need to follow the star. We need to follow who Jesus is. We need to know that Jesus is a gift that's given to us. But more than that, the three gives gifts. And thank God for those gifts. They're not natural, but they're from the heavenlies. In other words, they're out of this world. Thank God for being out of this world. Stand to your feet, if you would, please, all the building before we get ready to take communion, because that's a gift that Jesus said that we are going to partake of, his body.